please stand as we give attention to God's Word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. We're going to finish out Luke chapter 10 today. We're going through the book of Luke. And Luke chapter 10 will be in verses 38 through 42. So hear God's Word for God's people. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. Verse 40. But Martha was distressed, or distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the living Christ. Let's pray again here. Father, I thank you that we can come to your word, that we can trust it, we can submit all of our lives under it. We can stand confidently upon it. And I just pray that you would do your work through it in our own hearts and our own lives this morning. May my words and may the meditations of all of our hearts during this time be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You all can have a seat. You know, hosting people into your home can be a great joy, but if we're honest, it can also be something that can be stressful at times. Uh, it doesn't always go as we plan. Uh, my wife and I, we love to have people over into our home, gather around the dinner table. It's something my wife is incredibly good at. Um, but on more than one occasion, as people come into our home, they're behind the scenes, things haven't gone as smoothly as they may look. Um, Sometimes my wife and I are just not on the same page with kind of the priorities that need to take place uh, before preparations are made, right? Any other, any other men who struggle with that sometimes? You know, my wife, you know, she has a list of things that she's hoping to see done and things that are totally reasonable, like wiping down the bathroom and maybe vacuuming the rug and getting the table set, picking up the shoes that the kids have left everywhere. But for some reason, I just get distracted by other things, you know. Sometimes I take out the trash, and I'm like, ah, the garage is kind of a mess right now, so I think I'll spend a little time organizing some stuff in here. And the garage looks good. I come in, and my, my wife gives me a, a less than enthused look, and uh, it's like, are we eating in the garage this evening? What, what are we doing here? Um, so yeah, some, sometimes it's just getting on the same page with the priorities of what needs to take place. Sometimes things just totally fall apart, <laughs> and at the worst possible moment. Uh, a, a while back, we, uh, we were having some folks over, I think they might even be in this room, um, for dinner, and uh, we were running a little late, so we were getting some things ready, we were getting the kids involved, hey, we got a lot to get done, uh, and so we asked uh, one of our sons, I will uh, leave him unnamed, uh, you got a one in four chance of, of guessing it correct, <laughs> so uh, asked him, hey, can you set the table? And just recently, like in the, in the last number of weeks before this happened, uh, my wife had just gotten out uh, a new set of dinner plates. And these were like plates that she had inherited from her grandmother. So these are like nicer plates that, that we were going to start using in our home, which is risky with four boys, right? But uh, anyway, our son gets, gets this whole stack of plates, eight for eight people, and is going to set the table. 
And uh, he gets them down, and all of a sudden, I hear the loudest crash in my home that I've ever heard. Turn around, and uh, as he set them on the table, he didn't quite set them all the, all the way on, and they fell off the table and shattered into a pile of glass uh, on the floor. I think maybe one of them survived. And at that moment, I know my wife is devastated. She just lost all of her grandmother's plates. And me, I'm, I'm incredibly frustrated, and I'm trying not to just go into to dad lecture mode. That's code for yelling at your kid, if you didn't know that. Um, and all of a sudden, knock on the door, and here's our guests coming in. And we have to be like, hey, welcome, come on in. Hey, it's great to have you. Everything's going well, you know, as we have this moment. But it was all right. We got it cleaned up, and we were able to, to laugh about it in the end. Um, the only redeeming factor was that I actually didn't like those plates anyway, and so <laughs> it was kind of the only way that I figured we could ever get rid of them. So it worked out for one of us anyway. So, But, uh, but in our story today, we, we, we see this woman who has the opportunity to host a very important guest in her, in her home. But it doesn't quite go the way that she expects, the way that she wants it to be. But in the story, we see Jesus taking this opportunity to teach and, and to care for this woman who is in this moment of struggle. And uh, hopefully through the, our short time in this brief narrative, we get to, to also consider in our lives the priorities that we set, what we see as most necessary. And hopefully we can, we can really get down to, to, to try to consider maybe the areas of our lives that we might need to reorient. And so as we walk through this little uh, story, there's three principles that I just want to highlight for us as we walk through here. Three principles that I think are revealed to us from this passage. So let's dive in here. The first principle is this, that we see from this narrative, is that important things can easily distract us from necessary things. Important things can easily distract us from necessary things. This story begins with Jesus traveling with his disciples. As we have just heard, Jesus has set his face to head towards Jerusalem, and we are now in this travel section of Luke's gospel. And so Jesus is traveling, and they arrive at this unnamed village. But we know from other passages and other gospels, John 11 specifically, that this is uh, the village of Bethany, the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so they arrive at the village of Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And as they arrive there, we are told that, Mar that Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. And it doesn't specify necessarily throughout the text, but almost certainly the disciples are there present with them. It even uses the plural pronoun there in verse 38. So likely Martha has received now Jesus and his disciples into her home. And there, as Jesus often does, he begins to teach. And it tells us that Mary, Martha's sister, sits down at Jesus' feet and begins to listen to his teaching. But not Martha. Martha has other priorities going on. So Luke tells us that Martha is distracted with much serving. Other, other ways of saying this is that she, she was pulled away by all that she had to do. And this is understandable, right? For all the ladies in here, totally makes sense. I, I could totally resonate with Martha in this moment. She's just likely received 13 unexpected guests. It's not like Jesus was able to text ahead of time and say, hey, we're going to be in town. Can we, can we stop by? It's not like Martha could just door dash a little food to have ready for them when they get there. 
So this is a big endeavor. Uh, this is a, a, likely a meal would be expected to be served, and so Martha wants to be a good host and, and love on Jesus and his disciples and care for them, and so she sets herself to the task of serving them. And as a gracious host, she, her, her motives are in the right place. She wants to care for them. She wanted to show hospitality to them. But what we see is that the important and, and honorable efforts that Martha is consumed by begin to overshadow something much more valuable that's taking place in this scene. And I think we would do well to just recognize and be honest with that own tendency in our lives. Because life is filled with a seemingly endless list of important things, right? Things that, that need to be done that require our attention. But do we realize that those important things can easily overshadow necessary things in our Christian lives? I mean, just, just see, think about what Martha is actually missing out on. She has Jesus, the Messiah, in her home, sitting in her living room, giving a, a private instruction. How many of us would love to just be there, to experience that moment, to have a, an intimate small group discussion with Jesus, to be able to ask Him questions, to be able to hear from Him? Like, like none of us would, would miss out on that, but Martha, she's so focused on the task that she feels obligated to fulfill that she misses the moment here of what's taking place with Jesus. And to be clear, this text I, I don't believe is in any way minimizing the, the, the efforts of a servant-minded heart of hospitality. Like, 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 and that's the tension of the text is that what Martha is doing is good things, things that should be done, things that are commendable. But this passage does warn us of the possibility that a good act of service can actually push aside our necessary presence in the moment. So what are the good things that you have given your attention to that may be taking precedence over other necessary investments? To ask it another way, what has God called you to that you don't have time for because your schedule is full of other good things? That's our first point and principle, is important things can easily distract us from necessary things. The second principle that I think we, we see from Martha and Mary is this, is that inward focus often leads to outward complaint. An inward focus often leads us to an outward complaint. Martha in the, in the story is, is suddenly stressed out with all the work that needs to be done. The sense the text gives us is that, that Martha becomes frustrated and she comes over to Jesus. And the language is actually described that, that she actually stands next to Jesus. Where Mary is sitting there at Jesus' feet, Martha stands over Jesus and she speaks to him, almost interrupting him possibly. And she says this. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. You hear, hear how this, this, this complaint starts erupting from Martha? She says three things. She says, Lord, don't you care? I'm all alone. Send somebody along to, to, to help me in this. Saying, Jesus, do you see what I'm doing? Y'all are in here having a great time, having a nice discussion, and I'm doing all the work. 
Do, do you even care that I'm alone in this? Does anybody else see what I'm doing? Does anybody else think that this is important? Am I, does everybody just expect me to serve all of you? Come on, Jesus, I, I know what needs to be done. Tell my lazy sister to get up and give me a hand. And Martha, we see, erupts in this outward complaint. And don't you feel kind of bad for Martha? Martha's this, this lady that, that gets kind of some of her, her worst moments highlighted for her in, 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 the, in the Gospels. There's, a, there's another instance in uh, John's Gospel where uh, Lazarus uh, was sick and about to die, and Jesus took a little bit of time and didn't, didn't go right away. By the time Jesus gets to Bethany, Lazarus has already died, he's been buried, and as soon as he shows up, Martha marches up to Jesus, and she confronts Jesus, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Like, she does have this faith, like, like she knows that Jesus could have healed him, but she calls Jesus out, you should have been here. You could have, you could have prevented this. Martha just, just comes across as, as kind of a, an angry, agitated woman. Like, I don't know who wants to be around her, right? This is, this is the sense that we get from her. I feel kind of bad for her. But if we're honest, can't you actually relate to Martha in many ways? Can't you see a little Martha in your own heart, in your own life? How often do we look at our circumstances, all the work that we're doing, all the things that we've given our, our, ourselves to, do we ever cry out to God and say, God, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you see what I'm investing in? Do you see what I'm dealing with? The hand that I've been dealt? And sometimes we, we begin to focus on our circumstances and we begin to maybe even question God and his care for us. Come on, Jesus, it's obvious. I, I know the answer to the situation. If you would just show up, if you just send the right person, if you would just act, then I wouldn't have to be dealing with this. Come on, Jesus, where are you? Do something. Or sometimes how frustrated do we get at others? When, when we notice that, that they're not pulling their weight, and they're not doing their part, it's kind of like the classic group project in school where you do all the work and everybody else gets all the credit. How frustrating that is. But you see, a, a heart of complaint starts by focusing inward, seeing all the things that we're doing, all the effort that we're putting in, uh, patting ourselves on the back for all of our service, and then noticing the lack of support that we receive. And that usually results in an outward complaint, a criticism, and a questioning of everybody else and their motives and their heart, and sometimes even God's character. We can become so myopic on ourselves that, we, we, that when we look outward, all we are left with is complaint. We see that tendency in ourselves, and Martha in this moment is, is wrestling with this, that that, that that inward look inside of ourselves is leading to this outward complaint. Now we have a third principle that I think that this text reveals to us. And this third principle is that right priorities guard against spiritual neglect. Right priorities will guard against spiritual neglect. Listen to how Jesus responds to, to Martha in this moment, in her frustration, in her discouragement, in her complaint. He says, Martha, Martha. Now, some might, might see this as, as kind of a, a rebuke of Martha, but I think that the, the doubling of her name here is it, it does reveal this kind of emphasis, but it's most often used in a, in a very comforting way. 
So Jesus, in in this moment, I believe, is speaking with words of gentleness and care for Martha. He does see her. He sees her heart. He sees her labors. But he also realizes that he needs to help her maybe reorient her priorities. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You're worried and you're upset about all of this stuff going on. But then he invites her to see that there is only one thing that is actually necessary happening in that house right then. And it's actually Mary, her sister, the one who who she thinks is, is shirking her responsibilities. It's Mary who has chosen, as Jesus says, the good portion, the, the best part. You say, see, he's saying, saying, Martha, you want Mary to come and help you serve this meal. Well, Mary has actually chosen the best thing that's being offered today. She, she has chosen to invest her time here with us, and I am not going to take that away from her. I'm not going to ask her to give that up. Which is pretty astounding because in this setting, Mary would have been expected to serve. As a woman in the home in that day, in that setting, she would have been expected not to sit with the men, not to sit with the rabbi and and learn and, and teach in that setting. She would have been expected to be in the kitchen to serve and to provide for the meal that was taking place. But she says, hey... Against all the the, the social conventions, against everybody else's expectations of what I should be doing, I am going to choose what is most important and most valuable right here, right now, and I'm going to listen to Jesus. The food and the other tasks can wait, but I'm not going to neglect this moment. And so there's this deep irony where where Martha has, has left Jesus to prioritize serving him. And she thinks that Mary is the one that needs to be corrected to come and help her, but Jesus actually corrects Martha and ultimately invites her to come and sit with Mary. I think the, 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 the location of this text within Luke's gospel is, is pretty significant for us to recognize. Because what have we been seeing? Jesus has been gathering this following of disciples, and he's been commissioning them and sending them out on tasks and handing over to them authority to go out and to serve and to minister on his behalf. Beginning of the chapter, we saw 72 that were commissioned to go out. Then Jesus had been teaching them. He even taught us even about the Good Samaritan, challenging us to consider what kind of a neighbor we are and and who might we be willing to serve as we have been served. And so so, so there's all this emphasis on on the the followers of Jesus and what we're called to do outwardly, to be on mission, to serve others, to, to get after it for the sake of Christ's kingdom. But in this passage, we're reminded in the life of Mary, that sometimes, amidst all the active efforts that God calls us into, there are times that we need to simply stop and sit at Jesus' feet and listen to His Word. And Jesus sometimes is more concerned about our commitment to Him than merely our service for Him. So let's try to, let's try to bring this home, just real practically and, and personally in our lives. If Jesus spoke to you, And he said, hey, you are worried and you're upset by a lot of things. I could see it in your heart. I understand what you're going through. You're worried, you're upset, you're concerned. What would that list of things be for you? Because if we're honest, we all have a lot of things that we can be distracted by these days, right? 
I mean, just look at the headlines this week. The, the, the world is being confronted with this horrific news that's being, that's being pumped out almost instantly in real time through, through images and technology that are so intimate and close and, 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 and graphic that's being, being poured right into our news feeds almost as it's happening in ways that we haven't seen in, in, in human history. And maybe you have struggled even this week just to, to reconcile the reality of what's taking place in corners of the world with your own normal everyday life. Maybe some of you have just tried to actually ignore it because it just feels too much. It feels too weighty, not sure what to think of it, can't handle the emotion of it. Maybe others see those things and it starts to bring in concerns and, and uncertainty about our own context and what's happening around us. What does this mean for us in our, in our place? You know, we're, we're on the doorstep of another looming election. We don't have any better choices this time around, it seems, again. What do we do with that? Maybe you're struggling with just the financial situation you find yourself in. After all, inflation hasn't been too kind over the last couple of years. Maybe you just are, are, are concerned and struggling how to, how to raise your kids in this world, how to, how to guard them, how to prepare them, how to, how to allow them to, to engage in this world and, 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 and with, with all the confusing messages and everything that's taking place, how do we protect and preserve our children? Maybe you're like Martha and you just have a deep heart of service for others, but you can't help but just see the constant needs around you. There's just always somebody else that, that needs something, someone else that needs cared for, another meal that needs to be brought, and you just feel like it's overwhelming, just the, the, the needs of people to serve, and you just feel like you can't keep up, and that maybe you're always letting somebody down. Maybe for many of us, it's just the season of life you're in it means your schedule and your time is just very limited. It's incredibly full and busy. Could all say that? You know, some of you are maybe in the thick of your education, trying to finish your degree, think about your future, some good things, but that requires a significant amount of time and energy, and then there's endless opportunities to be involved with on, on campus or, or after-school programs or different things to, to invest in, and you're, you're just burning the candle on all ends. Maybe some are young parents in here trying to just adjust to the the broken sleep patterns and challenges of babies and toddlers and just, just trying to stay on top of life. Not sure how you're going to get through this season. Some maybe are like us in our family in the season where our kids are a little, little bit older, but life sure hasn't slowed down. just seems like it's ramping up and trying to give our kids opportunities. We got sports and music lessons and after-school stuff. And every week there's somebody's having a birthday party that we're invited to. Just stop inviting us to birthday parties. Like, just constant. And then just trying to get to that point at the end of the day where you can get the kids in bed and just have a few moments just to maybe relax. Maybe some of you are just trying to settle into your career, maybe build your business, and it's go time. It's, it's, it's now or never. It just, it is what it is. It, everything else just kind of has to take a back burner because this is so important, and this is the only path forward. This is what is expected. This is the way it is. 
Whatever circumstance, season of life, what is that list of distractions and those things that you find yourself constantly worried about, distracted by, and drawn away with? And amidst all of whatever that may be, have you been able to stop and honestly ask, what is most necessary in my life right now? Like, what is, what is actually critical? What can I not live without? And I believe that this brief story here, Jesus points to Mary, and he says, amidst all the good endeavors to which you may feel called, don't neglect this. And what ultimately was that one thing, that one thing that, that Mary said, I, I, I will not give up, was to sit and listen to Jesus, to know him, to let him shape her heart and her life, for to know what it means to follow him. Let me be clear, the call of this text is not to invite us into some kind of monastic life, you know, where we just escape from everything and we just merely sit around and read our Bibles and pray all day. And my challenge for us is not merely just to say, okay, you just need to miss your busyness, make time to, 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 to have a quiet time with God. Although that, that might be a very foundational place for, for some of us to start. My, my challenge and charge is not merely just to try to add some other kind of Christian practice in, into your everyday busy life. But I think the call of this text is for us to genuinely consider our priorities. Not just the things that we, we, we say are important, but what we actually shape our lives around, what we are actually gripped by, what actually determines what we do. And so when we ask what is critical to the Christian walk, what must we give ourselves to, there's a lot of things that could come on that list. And I just want to simply offer three categories that I think we see from Mary here, three simple critical elements that we see in the life of Mary. That is the word, worship, and community. First of all, the word. Mary, Mary sat there and listened to Jesus. It was his words that, that she wanted to hear more than anything, that she wanted to shape her, have shape her life. Secondly is worship. Mary sat there in the, in the place of a disciple. To sit at one's feet would be to, to, to come under their authority. Mary certainly wanted to learn from Jesus, but, but also remember where this led Mary. In John chapter 11, it was Mary just before his death. And she took a, a, an incredibly valuable bottle of ointment, broke it open, poured it on his feet, wiped it with her hair. See, Mary grew not just to learn from Jesus, but she grew to be a worshiper of Jesus. She grew to love Jesus not just as her teacher, but ultimately as her Lord and her Savior. And lastly, the community. I believe that Mary is sitting there alongside of the other disciples to learn alongside of them, to, to grow together, to know what it means to be a people that are following Jesus alongside of one another. And these were these indispensable elements that, that Mary gave herself to that I believe every Christian is called to never neglect in our lives. So let me ask, where is the priority of those rhythms in your life? The priorities of the Word, of worship, and community. Maybe more importantly, what are the distractions that you've allowed to overshadow the things that Jesus 
would invite you to not neglect. It's fairly common anymore to hear someone just say something like, man, my life is my, it's just so busy. My life is just so full that I, I, I hardly have time to get to church. I don't know if I have time to get to life group. I don't have time to get in the Word. And I think Jesus would, would kindly say to us, hey, how do you not have time for those things? How do you have, not have time to invest in the people that I have called together to listen to my word that's going to shape you in all the craziness of the life that you live? How do you not have time to just, just fix your attention and your affection on me through worship? You know, when we, when we think about the little things, all the little things in our lives that, that distract us, that come into, into play, there's an endless list that we could identify. You know, as I think about it in my own life, like one of the, one of the greatest tools that we have this, the, in, the, in our modern age and one of the, the greatest hindrances, I think, is that little square that we hold around in our pockets, that, that smartphone, right? So how easily we become driven by it and controlled by it in the palm of our hand, we have the opportunity to connect with, with so many people, to, be, to actually build community and, 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 and be involved in each other's lives, but we also at the same time have the opportunity to just be fed an endless supply of distractions, entertainment. You think of social media. It doesn't have to be a negative thing, but how easily can we just scroll and scroll? And I, I love a good meme as much as the next guy. But how many times can we just scroll and scroll and just dump time and time, minutes and hours into that endless void? Maybe think of uh, fantasy football. How much time does that take? And uh, lest you think I'm here just to, just to kind of uh, critique all your hobbies, uh, I think I'm in, tied for third place in our crossing fantasy league. I know nobody cares in here. Got a big game today and Russ Wilson did not help me out at all on Thursday. Like, it's fun. Fantasy football's fun. But how often does the Wednesday morning waiver wire grab my attention more than my Bible? If you don't know what the waiver wire is, sorry. I just preached. Um, what about Netflix? You know, or Hulu, or Paramount, or... What? We could just keep going all day. Like any, any hun of the hundreds of streaming services that, again, just provide just opportunity to check out, to rest, to, to just chill at the end of the day. All not bad things. But the fact that we have a phrase that is commonly known of, of binging Netflix. Never heard anybody say that they binged Isaiah last week. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to reckon like none of these things are inherently wrong or bad or just that we can't do these things in many ways they're fun they're good they're enjoyable they, they can provide opportunity to connect with others to even build community they can be used in, in, a, in a good way but unchecked they can often lead us into a life a distracted life that just easily overshadows and pushes us away from necessary commitments. And we have to realize and be honest with ourselves that, that formation happens in our life, not usually by, by one big thing, thing here and there, but little by little over time. 
And deformation happens in the same way. So we're affected by and just little things here and there over time begin to shape us and form us, either positively or ultimately negatively. So we, we recognize the tension of, of good things that, that we battle against, good things to give ourselves to, but, but can we just be honest and wrestle through the reality that sometimes we allow lesser things to, to push out things that God has first and foremost called us to? Things like watching sports all Sunday afternoon. You know, with them playing in England, you can watch from 7.30 till 10 o'clock at night anymore on a Sunday if you wanted to. How many times might sports pull us away from actually investing in our family, sitting with our kids, engaging with them, teaching them, catechizing them? How oftentimes is a good desire for personal retreat, for vacation, to get away, to have time of rest, maybe just overshadow and put Sunday gathering on the chopping block? How often does maybe our hobbies maybe just edge out the priority of the spiritual disciplines in our lives? Does sometimes our ambition, whether that be in our careers, our athletic achievements, our exercise, how, how, how often might that maybe take away from the investment to discipling others? Again, some of the biggest challenges in the Christian life are not choosing between bad and good, but choosing between good and necessary. came across a quote a while back. I have no idea where it came from, but it's something that I've come back to time and time again. It says this. It says, The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. So as we reflect on this text, what if you put your name in the place of Martha? Instead of Martha, Martha, what if you put your name in there? said, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And what if you took that phrase and you, and you ran it through every part of your week, every part of your day, every rhythm that you've given yourself to? What might begin to change? What might God reveal to you that maybe you could shift and reorient? And as we learn to, to be like Mary... To, to, to set our right priorities, not by what the culture says, not by what society expects of us, but by why Jesus has called us to. What if we actually did that? Would we actually find a greater freedom? Would we actually find a greater peace? Less anxiety? Greater relationships? Greater opportunity to serve? More effectiveness in those we invest in? So let's learn from Mary. Let's learn from Martha as we seek to take these principles and allow God to work them over and over in our lives and ultimately help us understand more fully what it means to be his followers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this text. It's been a challenge to my own heart, my own life, a lot of work that still needs to be done. 
to truly see change and, and transformation and a shift. So I just pray that you would do you that work in all of us. Allow your spirit just to, 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 to truly work these things in us, that we would submit every area of our lives to your authority, to your lordship, holding back nothing for ourselves. Let you shape our priorities, our schedules, our rhythms, and in doing so, shape us into a people that can truly be used by you. We love you, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness to us and your patience in our lives. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.